Dak, we have got a blank ticket, you idiots. <laughs> Sorry, really. Um, Keon Bruin? Brown. Brown. Oh, <laughs> Keon Brown. They've, they've never seen comedy before. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. I love you come to every open mic. Um, Keon Brown, on deck. Uh, right now, give it up for Tyra And I had to intro you. Yes. What would your credits be? I don't know. I didn't think so. Right. From now on, remember to shit on people that have done less than you. I'm being very fucking clear with you right now. Yeah. And if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it right after I get off fucking stage. Because I'm tired of your fucking attitude all the way around. I know somebody at the comedy store decided you were good enough to park fucking cars there. But that means nothing in my fucking world, okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then we're clear? Yeah. Okay, make sure of that. Sure. Fucking piece of shit. <sighs> Sorry. Some of you are audience, some of you have never seen me before. I'm trying to be a nicer person. <laughs> Unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. Just Ty Rivera here checking in with the botherinas, making sure everything's going well for you guys, making sure nothing goes unexplained because I know that sometimes. See, this is how rumors get started, and this is why I have my whole pod podcast is because sometimes it looks like I'm just losing it and tired of people, which is partly true. I'm going to let you decide which part is true. But anyway, people just get so annoying because I don't ask much from people. I just ask that you respect what comedy is, and I ask that you stay out of my way, that you don't get on my nerves, especially if you're not the most genuine of people. You know, like sometimes people don't really get that about me. I may seem like an asshole sometimes, or you may even think that I am an asshole. You would just say it like that. Like you wouldn't say maybe he's an asshole sometimes. You'd just say Ty's an asshole sometimes. So let's just say it your way. Ty's an asshole sometimes. But one thing about me is I am a very genuine person. So if I give you any time at all, any time at all, uh, a little bit of comedy advice if you ask for it, because I don't usually just volunteer stuff. I usually do let people approach me or ask me questions if they have any. And if I'm able to help you and I say anything to you and give you some advice, help you out, then I obviously like you in some way. Now, when you're pretending like you really like me, we're really friends. I'm really believing that we're really friends. I'm not ever thinking that you're looking at me as a networking opportunity. This is not the way I feel about it. I feel like you're just being friends with me. And maybe that's because what you have to remember is if you're a person that looks at me as a networking opportunity, 
there's no benefit to me at all to being friends with you because there's nothing you can do for me. You're not a networking opportunity for me. Technically, when I hang out with some of you, I have to explain why it is I'm hanging out with open micers. Because here's the deal. I roll in the shit all the time, and I don't mind admitting that. I'm always with the open micers because I do a lot of open mics because I always have to write new material. And I hate actually pen to paper writing. I do it from time to time. It gets more and more rare as, as I go along. But I still do it sometimes, but it's rare. So usually I just get on stage. Well, where can you get on stage and have no pressure and have nobody expect you to be funny or any real expectation of you doing well? That's an open mic. So I go to a lot of open mics. I meet a lot of you. Because I am a genuine person, I will occasionally talk to plenty of you like plenty of people have talked to me and I know this seems like it's directed at the comics and in a way it is you know uh it is this these last couple of podcasts have been mostly towards the comics on the LA scene because I don't think a lot of you really understand the way things work like that clip I just played was from November 10th of 2015 and the reason I played that clip, well, first, let me tell you, I record every set I do. Every set I record the audio, which I've told a lot of people to do. I give as comedy advice when people ask me about that. Just record all your sets so you can listen to what it is you do. Well, because of that, I have a bunch of audio of me getting into it with people or having to set people straight, which this was definitely a case of. That was Luke Schwartz, who I will start off by admitting that uh, we made up that night. He apologized for the way he was acting, even though he still halfway acted like he didn't know exactly what he was doing. But I can explain. What happened was I had been, at that point, I, was I had decided to go back to the comedy store. I hadn't been to the comedy store for several years, ever since Tommy told me he wasn't going to showcase me, which I know there was at least a four-year break where I wasn't going to the comedy store after I spent seven years trying to get in at the comedy store and being there religiously every Sunday and Monday until I went on the road, and then it was Mondays only. But that was my history of the comedy store, just to give you guys a short version. So after four years of not really going... Then uh, they had a new talent manager, which was Adam, and a lot of the employees who I had stayed friends with, you know, the servers and stuff like that. And some of the regulars were like, yeah, you should come back. Now that it's not Tommy anymore, you know, you can actually have a fresh start with Adam. And so I ended up going back to the comedy store. Well, the first couple of times that I saw Luke, he was really cool and really pleasant. It was when he had just gotten hired at the comedy store. And... um yeah, just really cool, really pleasant, you know, just like a cool comic. And we were, you know, we would even chat a little bit. And then after a while, he started having this shitty attitude towards me. Because the thing that I think confuses a lot of people is I will humble myself. As much as people make it seem like I'm bitchy or diva or whatever, I do humble myself all the time. So I will... Like, at that time, I wanted to go back to the comedy store. Well, I wasn't just going to go in and assume I was going to get friends and family. And I wasn't going to hit Adam up, like, email or Facebook and be like, can you put me on the potluck? I'm like, I'll go like everybody else. I'll get there at 5 p.m. I'll sign up. I'll wait until 6 p.m. 
for the list to come out and then, or no, sorry, I'll get there at 5 p.m. And then the list, yeah, the list comes out to sign up and then, it, you know, like leave. And then at seven, you go back and you see if you got on the open mic. And so I was doing that um, every Monday. And after a while, I know that sometimes when you humble yourself, when you're willing to say, okay, I'm just trying to be one of the other comics, I'm going to do everything like if I'm new or whatever like that, sometimes people in their heads start to think that they're new. Well, you have to remember that at this point, uh, 2015, I had already been doing stand-up for 12 years. And here I am waiting on a patio like an open micer, which I know in your head could get you confused. Like maybe I don't realize my value or the fact that I do the road or the fact that I've been around for a while and that people respect me. Maybe you think that I don't respect me or I have low self-esteem. I don't know what you think, but like suddenly... Luke starts being shitty with me where I start noticing and I'm so much in my head and worried about what it is I'm doing for me to actually notice you especially at that point is kind of a thing because it's like I don't usually notice people like that like people have different moods and I notice that and I don't have a problem with it because I know we're all human and I don't know if you got a breakup that happened at home or maybe you're arguing with a family member I don't know what it is and I don't so I don't really put a lot into that I'm just sort of like yeah everybody has their times where they talk more than others but when I notice that you're consistently being shitty with me um and it's becoming disrespectful that's going to become a little bit of a thing and that's what i had started to notice notice with luke schwartz with the way that he was behaving towards me around that time so and i had mentioned it to somebody on a particular night so then one day I'm rushing around and I'm trying to get to the improv open mic. The day was November 10th, the day that this happened. Uh, I'm rushing around to get to this, uh, you know, to get to the open mics. And that one starts particularly early. So it's like 5 p.m. people line up and then like 5.30 you sign up. It, but the thing is, I had just seen Jamie, who was the booker at the time. Jamie Flam was the booker at the time. And I had seen him a little while before and he told me anytime I wanted to come down to the open mic just to let him know. And, you know, again, I'm cool with just going, going and signing up, putting my name in the bucket like everybody else. I'm cool with that. But on that day, I was just running a little bit late. And so I ended up getting there at 528. I remember I parked and I lucked out and I got parking right away and it was 528 and so I'm running and I'm, but at the same time I'm a regular at the improv so I know that more than likely I'll at least be able to put my name my name in the bucket. Well, not even more than likely. I know I'll be able to put my name in the bucket. I'm a regular at the improv and I'm showing up at the open mic and putting my name in the bucket like everybody else and not asking for any special treatment. Yes, my name can go in the bucket. Even if I'm a minute late or whatever, I know this. Like this is something that I didn't even grapple with in my head. I was like, yeah, of course I'll be able to put my name in the bucket. But so, okay, so I get there. And it's still before, well, no, at this point I get in, it's 5.30 exactly. And I'm running around and I am paying attention to my time and stuff like that here, you know, the time. But I thought it was going to be Jeremiah because Jeremiah Watkins had been hosting at that time a bit. I mean, like he was kind of becoming, it seemed like the regular host. And that's when Avery, Avery was first starting to come around. And, uh, or, you know, Avery was everywhere at that time. <clears throat> and so what happened was, I ended up finding Luke, and I was like, uh, the mic had started, and because Jeremiah wasn't hosting, they were like, somebody told me, maybe it was Stuart Thompson, that was like, oh, Luke's hosting. And so I walked up to Luke, and I was like, hey, Luke, is there any way I could put my name in the bucket? And then he was like, the bucket's on the stage. And then I was like, okay, so can I put my name in the bucket, or can you drop it in there uh, after this comic is up? 
and he he looks at his his phone and I look at my phone at the same time and it's 5:32 and he was like no and then I was like no and I was like um I can't put my name in the bucket because I didn't repeat the no but I did say I can't put my name in the bucket cuz the thing was, I already knew I could put my name in the bucket. So basically, when I asked if I could put my name in the bucket, I was politely telling him to put my name in the bucket. That's what I was doing right then. Which, I'm sure he had to know I was a regular at the improv that time. at that time, because I've just been a regular at the improv for a long time, or maybe he should have asked or something. But instead, he gave me a bitchy no. And then when I asked him, just to confirm, that I, I'm not allowed to put my name in the bucket. And he said, no again. And again, in the same bitchy tone, I was like, are you sure? And he said, yes. And so I was like, okay. So I went out and um, I didn't know if Jamie was in right then, but I knew whoever was in, I was gonna be able to put my name in the bucket. And uh, that's what I did was I asked who was in charge and they said Jamie was there right then. And I was like, cool. So I went to the office and I asked Jamie if he could put, m if I could please put my name in the bucket. I was like, I got here two minutes late. I assumed it wouldn't be a problem. And he was like, of course, like, no, you're not gonna put your name in the bucket. You're just gonna go on. I'm gonna go ahead and um, let Luke know that you're just supposed to go up. Which I repeated to Jamie. I was like, I'm fine with putting my name in the bucket. And he was like, Ty, come on. Of course, I'm going to make sure that you get on. So he lets Luke know that I'm supposed to go up. And, you know, Luke lets me know that I'm up in like two or something like that. But even that, he came over to me in a bitchy way. Sort of like, you know, like I did something wrong or like I was being a dick in some way by making sure that my name got in, put in the bucket after he was trying to power trip for no reason. I mean, like. Learn what the fuck you're doing. And if you didn't know I was a regular, maybe you should have asked. Maybe you should have asked me what was going on or been like, do you usually get to put your name in the bucket? Like, you know, maybe, maybe something a little bit better than what the fuck you did. Maybe try not being a dick. And like, and like I said, we're cool now. But like at the time, this is how I felt, you know? And so um, when I was getting called up to the stage, as I was walking to the stage, I remember I was telling myself, you're not going to say anything. You're just going to let it go. You're not going to say anything. You're just going to let it go. You're not going to say anything. You're just going to let it go. This is what I was saying over and over in my head as I walked to the stage. And then when I got on stage, what you heard was what I actually said. And I really stand by all of it for anybody. You know, I mean, like, because uh, I see it l less and less now. It seems like the newer guys at the comedy store, like, they've picked, like, a good bunch that really does get it. And I'm friends with plenty of the guys, like Fung Chow I'm cool with. Luke, we're cool, but, you know, he can be kind of hot and cold, which, like, my thing with the hot and cold people is I'll just not talk. I mean, like, I don't need to say hi to you every time I see you or anything like that. I don't feel like that kind of feeling, but I'm just a, a person that believes in being consistent. So it's like, if I talk to you all the time, if I always just say hi, then I always just say hi. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm not needy at all. So it's not like I need you to come over and talk to me. It's not like I need you to come over and sit with me. I, it's, uh, like Really, for me, being consistent is, is, is as easy as just 
we see each other, we either give a what's up nod, say hello, give a handshake. It doesn't have to be all of it. Sometimes it can be just a quick like glance, like a what's up, you know, it's, it, it's all, but it's not cold shoulder. It's not bitchy. It's not, you know, sometimes I don't want to talk to you. I'm pretending like I don't see you. like all of that shit. It's like, no, I don't have time for that with people that I'm supposed to be cool with. Like, I'm very particular about what I surround myself with or what I'll actually consistently fuck with because I just feel like that's the reason people are always complaining about L.A. Like, people are always like, L.A. is so fake. L.A. is so fake. People here are so fake. It's because it you surround yourself with shitty people. You allow shitty people to be around you all the time, and then you have this idea that L.A. is fake, and it's like, no, you just will allow fake people to be around you. I'm a person that doesn't really have time for that because... I have a very strong support system as far as actual friends go. So, like, with some of these people, like today, I got annoyed with Mark Stevens. And, you know, I like, my situation with Mark Stevens is very basic to me because the thing is, Mark Stevens is a classic case of I'm just nice to you because I'm nice to you because I think you're, or I thought you were a genuine kid. You know, like, there's nothing to be gained from me having any kind of relationship, friendship, anything with Mark Stevens. Nothing at all, and that's just what it is. Technically, I've taken Mark Stevens on the road once, and if anybody wants to know the truth about that story, which is pretty easy to verify, is I really had to buck for Mark Stevens to be able to go on the road with us. Because his, like, the clip that he had sent me was so L.A.-specific that the booker was worried about having him on. And I reassured the booker that I would, you know, if Mark wasn't able to cut it, cover his time, because he was only supposed to do, like, 15 minutes, they were doing, like, a co-featured thing because um, the other feature I was bringing along, <clears throat> or the other guy I was bringing along, which was going to be, like, full feature, possibly, was a comic that the booker wasn't really sure about um, as far as being able to cover the full time. Like, the booker liked his stuff, but he wasn't sure if he could cover the full time. So what happened, so what was going to happen was um, Mark Stevens and this other um, comic were going to split the feature time, so 15 minutes apiece. And I told Mark, I was like, look, if you can't cover the full 15 minutes, don't worry about it. I'll go ahead and cover whatever time you make up uh, or make up whatever time you can't cover. And um, I had to really massage the booker a lot as far as that went to make it happen. So I've already done more for Mark Stevens as far as comedy goes than he's going to be able to do for me because I really pulled for him in a situation where really they didn't necessarily think he could do it. And in all fairness, when we went out, he did much better than I expected, and he had really good sets with the audience. And so I don't have anything bad to say about him as far as comedy goes. As far as on the personal, though, like he's asked me several times for advice or if I would listen to his jokes, which I hate listening to people's jokes, but I do actually listen to his jokes when he's preparing them for roast battle just because... I think he's a cool kid or like, you know, actually liked him and thought his hustle was all right and stuff like that. And so I noticed, though, that Mark Stevens has these parties. Right. Um, and like I don't usually go to shit. Right. I just don't usually go to shit. It's, you know, 
I get asked to do a lot of things and I don't do them just because I don't always want to be around a lot of people or sometimes I feel like I have I should spend time with my dogs because we're had to be apart like this time I just got back from China so I've been spending a lot of time with them but like I thought maybe it would be cool to like do something like for a little bit in the day you know just before like the um because I had seen that comedy store was going to be having what's it called tonight the pop-up mic which I ended up going to but I was like you know I just want to stay awake during this time because I've been having trouble like readjusting my sleep pattern since I got back from China I'm still having trouble with that which I hate to admit but I'm just having trouble getting my sleep back on track and that's a problem I'm having so I was looking for something to keep me awake and then I was like you know I'll hit up Mark Stevens and see if he's doing anything and um so I go ahead and send Mark Stevens a text, and I was like, hey, what are you up to? And he was like, just hanging out with some friends, whatever, whatever. And so I was like, okay, cool. And so I was thinking, like, you know, he's hanging out with friends, so there's nothing going on or whatever like that as far as he goes, or he's, you know, doing something separate. Anyway, it turns out that he's having a fucking party full of comics. Which to me, it's like, if we're supposedly friends and you supposedly love me so much, if you're having a party and I hit you up and ask you what you're doing, then if we're really friends to me, the response would that, to that would be, I'm having a party, do you want to come by? But that wasn't the response at all. Instead, I ended up seeing on friends' Instagrams that they were hanging out at Mark's. And so I just hit Mark up and let him know that, you know, I just think he's fake as far as that goes and I don't we're not friends like that anymore because here's the thing like something like that to me is as far as friends go like that's kind of a shitty way to handle something like you know and what would the, be the reason for not wanting me at your party do you are you worried that some of your friends are going to be uncomfortable by me being there because I don't really need people like that on my team. Like, if you're a person that's worried about what everybody else thinks about you, then you should just not be friends with me. But also, you're not going to get the benefit of, like, me giving you advice or helping you out with anything because we're not really friends like that. And there's nothing that you can do for me that's going to reciprocate any of that. Like, Hollywood hugs and um, fake hand handshakes don't do anything for me, you know? Like, like the fake hugs, the, the air kisses, all that shit, I don't fucking do it. And it's because, really, the people that are trying to do it aren't on the level to do that kind of shit. Like a Mark Stevens or, like, Paula V, who I mentioned last week, who I'll talk about in a second. And nothing too much, because I already told you guys I'm pretty much over it. It's just apparently I didn't spell it all out for everyone everybody on the last episode because some people did ask me about it and i'm gonna play that clip too just so that you guys can hear it i'm only here because i'm annoyed with mom party i am um, paula b got on my fucking nerves earlier today she did. I'm fucking very nice to Paula B. And technically, as far as just comedy goes, I shouldn't be nice to her at all. That's just me being 100% real on it. So when I hit you up and ask you for a fucking favor, one favor that I ask one time, never asking anything, always coming to your fucking mic, always fucking putting money in your bullshit bucket when I come, just do me the fucking favor and don't make me have to fucking explain. I said in the first fucking message, 
that my friend was visiting. Technically, the friend that I have here is a hookup for anybody that does him a favor because he knows the Bay Area so well. He's the reason a lot of Bay Area comics think I'm a Bay Area comic. I politely ask people for favors after I've given them rides home, after I've given them advice, after I've given them contacts and hit up people to let them know that this person was going to be in India. I fucking haven't done India. This person is a fucking open micer, and I'm nice enough to give a recommendation that I send an email to the person so that they'll know, this is my friend, don't treat her like bullshit. I didn't ask for my friend and me to get a special spot. I just asked that my friend be able to get a spot. This should never be a fucking problem with new people. It should not. I'm too fucking nice. Like, when I hear you guys up, like, especially women of color, I definitely am always looking out for women of color. If you look at the people I tag when I put different notices out for different things that are happening, it's always fucking women of color. And who's the first one to fuck me? The bitches of fucking gentrification. Same kind of fucking shit. Like, it's fucking annoying. It really is fucking annoying. And so that I said, and I'll fucking get off when I'm ready to fucking get off. Don't ever give me a fucking light again. Because this is probably the last time I fucking deal with your stupid ass. Because really all I ask is that you treat me with the same fucking respect that I treat you with. And that goes for you too, Katrina. I've always been fucking cool with you. Until now, yeah. You're yeah, I ask for very little. You're out of my theater now. What's that? You're out of my theater now and you're banned. You're out of my theater now, and you're banned. No, this should not happen like that. If that's what you're doing, this will be a bigger consequence to them. Technically, this is nothing between me and you, and I'm not disrespecting your theater. Technically, I'm doing what I'm doing within the amount of time that I'm allotted. You are. Like, technically, no. I, if you're treating it like it's any other fucking open micer, because really, that's all this is. This is what I'm doing with my time. If you want to say once I'm done, I'm not allowed to come back, that's fine. I'll accept that. They gave you the light, they asked you to leave. Yeah, which meant I had 30 seconds, and then you came in and tried to cut me off. Yes, I'm cutting you off. Yeah, and I'm talking to somebody very specific right now. What's that? Who's that? We've had our own and I'll talk to you at some point. I'm fine to talk to you too. Like, our thing shouldn't have happened either. That was you too. So if you're gonna talk about disrespect, that's what happened between me and you, and that was you being disrespectful. Just like right now, what I'm talking about with Polybe. I'm not out of line on any of this. I know when I'm acting like an asshole and when I'm throwing my weight around, and that's not what this is. That's me having been nice to people. Who else told you they would fucking introduce you to Russell Peters and make sure that he knew who you were? I mean, like, I'm fucking cool like that. I'm trying to provide opportunities to the people around me that are actually somewhat worth the fuck. And I ask one thing. I just got back from fucking China. I'm fucking jet-lagged. If, if I was able to get here at 1040, I would have just done that. I didn't need that to be offered to me. I mean, like, you basically offered me the same thing anybody else would fucking get. Thanks for your time, you guys. And I don't really care what you guys think about it. Like, it wasn't funny at all, I can tell you that. 
there definitely wasn't a funny clip. It was just me being mad. I mean, like a friend of mine mentioned that tonight. I was talking to another comic and she was like, yeah, I was waiting for you to do a punchline at some point during that. And she was like, nope, it's not coming. And I was like, that's right. It's not coming. It wasn't going to come during that because I was just mad and I wanted somebody to know that I was mad. And for me, with a lot of these people, I feel like this stuff like Mark Pallavi, that kind of stuff, the the kind of blow-ups, only have to happen for these people specifically. Because from that, everybody else just kind of gets it. Plus, between this, doing Unbothered, it's like I get to tell people in so many words, if you're fake, then just don't fuck with me. Don't be around me. Don't be trying to act like we're cool like that. Like, you know, if we just say a quick hi and a handshake, that's that's plenty. You know, like a quick little pleasant. But the whole, like, I love you. I think you're such a good friend. It's like, yeah, I'm not really down with that when it's not sincere and genuine. Like, if I tell somebody they're my friend, it's because they're my actual friend. It's because I actually like them. Like, and... Even comics that have done more than I have that, you know, I have respect for and like or whatever, I don't fucking bullshit them. I don't blow smoke up their ass. It's like if I genuinely like them and what they do, then they're my friend. And it's not like I want anything from them either. It's just for me, I guess maybe friendship doesn't work the way it does for some people in L.A. Or maybe it's the millennial generation partly that has this idea that their words are just things you say to be polite and pleasant. But I skip being polite and pleasant and just say the stuff I actually mean. So if I like you and I treat you like you're my friend, that's what it actually is. Like some people right now I know are like trying to grapple or are grappling with like trying to figure out if they should be friends with me or support their other friend well my advice on that would be like as an adult you don't have to take a side like i've worked for four really big comics and all of them have problems with each other and i just completely stay out of all of it and it makes it so i have good relationships with all of them they've all been able to help me out at different points they're all still really cool with me and their relationships with each other have nothing to do with me. And if they decide to make up at any point, I'm not going to be the weird guy that took a side. I'm just, you know, another comic and trying to do what it is I can do. So I would tell people that unless I've done something, you just stay out of it. Because I think that's what happened with me and Luke. Like when I mentioned Luke acting shitty with me all of a sudden, for all I know, the way that people do shit now... He read that I got in an argument with somebody on Facebook or maybe he saw that I got in an argument on Facebook and then he made it his own problem and was like, oh, well, if he talks to that person like that, that's my friend and now I don't like him. And, you know, I see that happening quite a bit and I'm like, you guys have no idea of how things actually work. Like, unless I've done anything to you specifically, don't worry about what it is I do. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, it's not like I'm doing anything terrible. All I'm doing is what most people would tell you, even if they don't follow their own advice, is a healthy thing to do. Putting down boundaries. Sometimes people just get shitty with you and they cross your line. And it's not, none of us should have to put up with that. Like for me, I don't ask a lot of friends. I'm, I'm not a person who needs you to give me money. I'm not a person who's asking you for rides places. I'm not a person who's asking you for hookups or recommendations. I mean, like, all I ask is that you be a genuine person. That's the only thing I need from you. Outside of that, 
I'm not looking to my friends for anything. And you can ask any one of my friends. I'm not a person who's always like, you know, calling, oh, I'm depressed now, I'm going through this, I have that. I mean, usually when I hit people up, it is like to actually hang out. Like, hey, you want to go to a movie? Or are you hungry? Do you want to get something to eat? Like shit like that. But even that's so rare because I'm either on the road or I'm hanging out with my dogs or I'm doing something to do with my podcast or there's so many things for me to be doing at the gym. It's like I have this life that makes it so I'm one of the most low maintenance people that you're going to meet. So if all I ask of people is that they be genuine, I don't think that's asking too much at all. You know, um, I don't Kenny Lyon would be able to tell you like the extent of being my friend or Chris Doran or Nick Guerra or even Carmen Morales. Like those are people that I really consider friends. And if you were to talk to them, you'd find out that I rarely call them. I hate talking on the phone and it doesn't matter who it is. I just don't like talking on the phone. <clears throat> so my point is when a friend's as low maintenance as me and the only thing they ask for ask of you is that you be genuine. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that. And there's no way that anybody's going to tell me, a grown man, that there's something wrong with me expecting people to be genuine. When it came to Paula B, I guess I didn't um, talk about it, you know, the particulars enough. So I'll just uh, run through it really quick. I really don't have a lot of emotion towards it, you know. Um, Paula B just is fucking up right now is basically what it is. And I know that not only because I say it, but because of the number of people that have come up to me and been like, I had to listen when you're talking about Paula V because this is what she did or the way that she showed herself to me. And it's all the same shit. It's all a pattern, you know, where people are just like, she doesn't come off as the most genuine. And she is kind of... Um, like fucking up the way that things work as far as just like with the way that she does things. Last week I mentioned Jamar Neighbors who in Hollywood rooms really should be able to get up anywhere he goes. I mean, Jamar has been around forever. He's fucking hilarious. He's involved with Rose Battle. You know, when you're running an open mic and somebody like Jamar Neighbors decides to fall in, yeah, just, you know, and full disclosure, I'm friends with Jamar Neighbors and I love Jamar Neighbors. It's not like we have tea and a heart-to-heart every fucking day. Actually, we don't get to see each other all the time at all. He's another person that could tell you how low-maintenance I am as being a friend. It's like every time I see him for years now, it's like, it's like nothing we're friends and yeah every once in a while there'll be a stray text about something but even that's been quite a while now so like when a guy like jamar neighbor shows up at your open mic it's like yeah of course you're up in two or three and everybody understands if they're not going to be up next or something like that but yeah and so to find out that Jamar Neighbors didn't end up going at mom party, I mean, like, ladies, you're running an open mic, and I'm not trying to put you down, and I'm not trying to say it's not a great open mic, because it is a really cool open mic. And that's the reason I wanted to introduce my friend, because here's the way the story went, you guys. I'll just give it to you really quick. Um, my friend Chris Storn ended up coming in uh, last minute, kind of, uh, you know, unexpected, right before um, or right after I got to, got back from China. So I'm, I was still trying to get my sleep pattern figured out or whatever, but it's literally the next day after I get back from China, he's coming in. And uh, so I try to clean up my place and, you know, do everything I have to do. And it's just busy and trying to get organized or whatever. 
And so, of course, since my friend Chris Doran is going to be here, one, let me tell you, Chris Doran is hilarious. I've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's genuinely funny, and he's been at it for the same amount of time that I have, except for maybe he's a month shy of what I am because he showed up at the comedy store like a month after, and that's where we became friends. And he's a great contact, too, because, like I said, he's funny, and he uh, lives in the Bay, though, in the Bay Area. And so he knows all of the spots in the Bay, and he's got good relationships. Like, he's a lot nicer than I, than I am, so he's got, like, really good relationships with everybody in the Bay and stuff like that. And, like, anybody that does comedy in the L.A. area knows that that's, like, a logical place to go. Like, you always hear people like, yeah, we're going to go do some spots in San Francisco. And, like... These are the spots that'll help, like Fresno, Bakersfield, San Francisco area, um, Sacramento. Like, you know, these are usually the first places that comics will get to go on the road. Yeah, there's some that go to Arizona, but less of that, more like staying in California, that kind of stuff is what I noticed. So he's going to be a great contact for Paula V is also my thinking. He's visiting for one day, and I'm hitting her up, and I don't recommend a lot of people for a lot of shit, and especially don't ask for the favor of people getting to go up and things. But I know that, like I said, what Paula V runs is an open mic, and it should be flexible, and, you know, it's just one person. And I wasn't asking for my friend Chris to get on the show and then, or, you know, get a guaranteed spot or whatever, and for me to get a guaranteed spot. I was perfectly fine for just Chris to get a spot. I mentioned that he was coming in from out of town in the text message and I will admit that I expected well you know it wasn't text it was on Facebook Messenger and I'll admit I thought it would be as simple as because of other reasons that I'll explain in a second I thought it would be as simple as it is with other situations like that that I deal with because when we're supposed to be close and whatever else and the other stuff that I'm gonna explain in a minute then yeah I should just be able to hit you up and be like hey I've got a friend in from out of town he's legit please put him on or can you please put him on and then you just send me back uh yeah be around this time or whatever like that I wasn't even being particular about time I just wanted to be able to make wanted to make sure that he was going to be able to get up and get up at a you know somewhat decent time so I hit her up and then she hits me back with like her rules and it's like your rules you're sending me rules right now like I have a rule, and I did send her a message saying pretty much exactly this. I have a rule against giving open micers recommendations for gigs, and I didn't seem to mind breaking that when I was recommending you for stuff for India. Because at one point she had asked me, and I don't remember how we had started talking about that, but it was like I think around Christmas time, and she had just started doing comedy, but she wanted to do some stuff in India. She had some stuff that some people that she had hit up or whatever, and so I was like, um, yeah, and I had remembered that my friend Raj and my friend um, Vasu, who Vasu I only know through Facebook, you know, she's a lesbian comic, Vasu Primlani is her name, and she's a lesbian comic that's in India. And so I don't know the areas or the geography or of India or anything like that. So I was just like, you know, I'll just send you their way and give them, you know, send them a quick message about you. And then you guys can figure out, you know, whether or not any of it's going to work or anything like that. So um, that's what I did. And that was when she was brand new. And that was just like I said last week on the on the episode it was like based on the fact that you know like she shows some promise she's not absolutely terrible but she is pretty bad but 
you know, if you're trying to get some spots in India and I can possibly help you make that happen and I know that you are repping for your people and trying to do some shit, then I'm down to help out with that. You know, like I said last week, when it's ethnic people, I do kind of have a soft spot just because I'm like... Yeah, sometimes there's not a lot of opportunities for us or sometimes you don't know where to go in certain things. So I will be extra helpful for it when it comes to that. So I was helpful with her. And then at a point she mentioned that, you know, when we were talking that she really liked Russell Peters or that something about Russell Peters. And, you know, I've known Russell for a while, for actually quite a while now that I think about it. And, um, you know, Russell's cool with me, so, and he's cool with a lot of people, like, that's the thing a lot of people maybe, or some people may not know about Russell, is very, Russell's very cool, and one thing that's good about Russell is Russell, and anybody that's really dealt with Russell will tell you this, is Russell, even though he's done very well for him, Russell Peters is one person that has really stayed in touch with, I guess you could say, kind of the struggle of being a comic. Because when Russell has you work for him, he'll comp compensate you really well. He treats you with respect. You stay in nice places. And it's just, he's just all the way around a cool guy, you know? And so, and he stays kind of like, I, I don't know if you would say helpful or just open maybe or you know there's it's something that just accessible yeah that's what it is I'm trying to say he stays very accessible and so when she told me that she um you know liked Russell Peters or whatever then it clicked for me I was like hey I could possibly you know like introduce her to Russell and you know Russell's Indian as well so I know you know Canada but w w you know like the thing is I thought Russell might be able to help her out or whatever if they possibly possibly met and I was like yeah well you know if you really like Russell Peters next time he's around um you know because I don't know when Russell's around but I was like next time he's around um maybe hit me up and I'll hit him up and see if I can maybe get you to meet him or get possibly a guest set or something like that because Russell's always been really cool with guest sets and stuff like that and I also again like clicking thinking like you know maybe some kind of cultural sensitivity. Like, I know sometimes when, like, that's how me and Jeffrey J met, was he was, um, which he's not Latino, but it's the same kind of thinking. It's like, you know, he's LGBT. He's actually trans man, Jeffrey J, who I've had on the podcast. And as soon as they told me that, you know, he fit in with the theme of the show, which was an LGBT show that I was headlining, there was an LGBT tour that I was headlining, then, of course, I was like, yeah, I'd love to see him. I'm, Of course, I want to encourage that. So I thought maybe... You know, Russell might feel a similar way. I don't know. Who knows what would have happened when Russell actually comes around? Maybe he wouldn't have any room on his guest list. Maybe he'd be open to it. I don't fucking know. But I fucking offered at least that, which, you know, even that's something. Because here's the deal. Because I am kind of strict with what I'll recommend or who I'll think is cool. Of course, when he was around, I'd, ha I'd have seen her at a couple more open mics. Because I see most of you at open mics all the time. Like, people are always asking how to get on the road and stuff like that. And I'm going to tell you this. Like, Jasmine Lee had mentioned, you know, um, had sent me a message at a point asking me how you become an opener. And a lot of people have asked me this, you know, like, if you just want to host shows or stuff. The thing with that is it really has become tricky. And that's the reason I don't always answer right away because sometimes it's like this is going to be a lot of typing for me right now 
But the thing with that is really more and more headliners or people that headline have started to either request their own people because they just like working with certain people, so that's how you'd become a feature or an opener. Or if you're just local from the city, a lot of times, like to save money on the host, what the clubs will do is they'll just have one of the locals. Well, if you're not local to, if you're local to LA, then obviously you're not going to be local to a lot of stuff on the road, so you're not going to be eligible in a lot of cases to be one of their house MCs. So what you want to do is you want to build good relationships with comics that have been doing it longer, so that hopefully they can request you as the MC on a show. Like, that's the best way for anybody to get on the road. So when I noticed, like, the um, newer comics, like the open micers, kind of serving shade to the comics that have been around for a while or acting kind of like they're on a power trip when it's something very small that they're doing, like an open mic or something like that, it, you're really just screwing yourself because those are the exact people when you're wondering how it is to do these particular things, those are the people that can help you to do those things. You know, those are the people that introduce you to more people. Those are the people that'll see you at the open mics. Like me, I'm one of the most accessible out there because you can catch me at an open mic and if I like you, that's how we'll end up doing stuff together. Like Nicole Buchanan, I saw her originally when we were just hanging out at the um, comedy store and she was running her roast jokes for the in the belly room, um, but it was like on a show up, go up night, a Sunday night instead of the Tuesday. And because I was there to do the mic, then I just ended up seeing her. And then later on when I put the post up where I was looking for somebody to go with me to Vegas and she was one of the people that hit me up since I had already seen her from that, I already liked her. And then a couple other people like pushed it over the edge just by being like, yeah, Nicole Buchanan is so funny. And so I was like, okay, well then that's who I'll go with, you know, but, Part of that was just from me seeing her around. Like, I'll give you another example of people fucking up, and this isn't to do with Pallavi, but, like, one night I was at a, um, and this was, like, at least three or four years ago, and this was at a mic right in Hollywood. Well, not really right in Hollywood, like, uh, Western and Sunset or something like that. It was this hole-in-the-wall bar. And Kyle Kinane... I walk in and Kyle Kinane is sitting there waiting to go up. And it was just like, who is the terrible host of this show that has Kyle Kinane waiting like a regular open micer? Now, if you remember three or four years ago, Kyle Kinane was still doing Kyle Kinane shit three or four years ago. So he was already on his way up. And here this host probably has their rules like other people has Kyle Kinane waiting like an open micer. Now, I don't care what scene you're on as far as comedy goes or what clique you belong to. If you don't think a person like Kyle Kinane should get bumped into the rotation and just like, okay, you're going to go up in two, just so that you have, one, that kind of presence in your room, people get to see Kyle Kinane in your room. That's another thing. The other thing that people get from that is the comics get a quick lesson in how a person like Kyle Kinane handles an open mic. Um, then there's also the fact that, who knows, maybe you as the host or the booker of that show could end up hitting it off with Kyle Kinane. Maybe he needs an opener for something and he ends up using you. Who knows what could happen if you actually just extend that little bit of courtesy to somebody that, at that point, 
what Kyle Kinane has probably been doing comedy for at least a couple years longer than I have. So at that point, he probably would have been 14, 15 years in. So you can make room for Kyle Kinane. But anyway, so that's what I'm getting at with Paula V. Like, the situation was, I hit her up about this guy, Chris Doran, having him go on. I thought it was just going to be a quick, like, you know, whatever. She sends me her rules. I send her my rules. The other thing that people have to know about me and Paula V was that I've given her a ride home at least twice, which is out of my way. And like I said last time, any time I'm doing more, f doing anything for you, I'm not doing for me. So, yes, I do consider waiting around extra time to give you a ride home after you're done with your shit to be a favor and me going out of my way for you and then plus um she hit me up about some other fucking um advice situation that i'm sure i could look up on facebook it's just like you know all the way around and then every time she intros me always saying something like this is one of my favorite comics well bitch if one of your favorite comics hits you up and is like hey put my friend on it's gonna be a favorite all involved and just fucking do it but then after that she tries to um like after she sends me her rules and she gets like well whatever because you know i was like yeah well i just know where to put you now well at that point after you got on my nerves then it's like kind of too late for that moment you know just forget it we'll sign up in the fucking bucket maybe if you want to you can talk to me in real life and then we'll straighten it out then but like i said last week she chose not to do that and then i got annoyed when i got on stage because i was like you know sometimes i need people to know that this isn't a joke and it's not a game and i'm not playing hollywood fake with you because i'm just not you're not worth playing hollywood fake with and um you know Calling her out in the way that I did was a good thing for the L.A. comedy scene because, like I said, a lot of people have known this. A lot of people have been saying this, but a lot of people have been, I don't know if they're afraid to say it for social reasons or what the deal is, but I don't have to worry about any of that. So I think I explained that well enough. Anyway, um... Then there's also the Mystery Dan situation, which, you know, Ashley Johnson, who's another comic on the scene, had mentioned that I was, um, when I snapped at Mystery Dan, which I'm going to play that clip too. Fuck June. I'm fucking all year round. <laughs> I can decide it's gay pride right now. On Tuesday fucking night. And guess what? It'll be fucking gay crime. Try it on, dude. Try it on. Don't ever interrupt me again, Mr. Dan. <laughs> and I'm not being mean, I'm just saying we're not on the same wavelength when it comes to stand up. Uh, it, it's, it's, it didn't help. I need a little more mystery, a little less Dan. <laughs> Um, that when I snapped at Mystery Dan, it just seemed like I had it saved up. And I guess I kind of had, because it, Mystery Dan has interrupted me during conversations before when I've really been trying to talk to other people about things that, 
like, yeah, they're just silly conversations. Well, not silly conversations. Sometimes they're kind of heavy conversations. And I just want to talk to the person that I'm talking to. I don't necessarily want somebody interrupting me that's not necessarily on the same wavelength. And it's not even about, like, level of comedy, which I know that I probably said that the wrong way on the taping. I haven't listened to it or the audio. Um, I'll listen to it later and see, maybe reassess it and talk a little bit about that next week. But, um, like, I just remember I said something that made it sound like I was saying we weren't on the same comedy level. And really what I meant was we're not on the same wavelength. Like, we don't think the same way. And so for you to interrupt me when I'm on stage or in a conversation, it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't really need to know what you think. And I know that that sounds really mean, and it's something I've started saying to people online just to let them know where it is I'm coming from. But it's like some people I feel like I can talk to and they're open and I can be open and it's not a big deal. And some people I just noticed that their thinking is so far off from mine that we're really not on the same wavelength and I don't even want to try it. It's like I don't want to talk to you. You're the kind of person that I don't really care to hear from. And it's not about being mean. It's just about getting to an age where I feel like I know myself and I know when something's just a recipe for arguing and headache. And it's like, yeah, I just don't care what you think. I already have heard a tidbit. I've gotten the preview and I'm not interested at all in the movie. So we can just cut this out altogether. We don't have to go through it that way. We don't have to actually prove my theory because I'm always going to be right you know as far as when I know that I just don't like a personality it's like and a lot of times it is that victim mentality like um yesterday I posted about um that lady that you know got honked at and called a Cambodian n-word by the guy in uh Sunnyvale which there's a comedy club there called Rooster Tea Feathers, so I am somewhat familiar with Sunnyvale, and it's right near Apple, or, you know, Apple is there, and it's, you know, it's kind of a rich, richy area and that kind of stuff. Um, but this woman, you know, that got called the Cambodian N-word uh, had actually started by, you know, calling the guy a white whatever, which I agree that white isn't the same kind of slur as the N-word. Like, I don't put those on the in the same category, but either way, it is you going to race, whether you want to admit that or not. And that's just what it is. You went to race. So you took it to race first. He got more vicious than you were willing to be. And it happened in front of your kid. And really, I think that if you really felt you wanted to be a good example for your kid and your kid didn't, you didn't want your kid to see any kind of blow up, then as a parent, you should have just given your kid the example, the lesson, and being the bigger person and moving out of the way and letting the guy do whatever he had to do. But that's not the route you chose to take. Instead, you took the route of actually engaging with him and calling him a white idiot or whatever you said entitled white idiot and then he called you a cambodian n-word and in my opinion you're both just as stupid you're another case of what happens when stupid meets stupid and you know what happens when stupid meets stupid stupid shit that's what happens when stupid meets stupid more stupid shit and that's exactly what happened and there was this woman that um her name was africa so 
you know somebody named Africa is probably going to be trying to throw a lot of shit at you. I'm not trying to say anything, but I feel like a lot of people that are named Africa name themselves Africa later on. But Africa wanted to uh, discuss this with one of my other friends. I saw her sub thread on it. You know, she posted she posted her comment. And I was sincerely posting a comment just to my friend. So I didn't get on her sub thread because I read her little answers to him. And because he was white, she was running circles around him and really playing the minority card up to a degree that I was like, yeah, yeah, but no. Um, as another minority, maybe I have a different take on this and maybe mine is just as valid, even if it comes from a different place. And maybe that's something for you to think about too, because I read her stuff and I was like, yeah, I can see what she's saying. She's just unwilling to bend in the fact that not everybody has to see it her way. You know, some of us see that maybe the mother could have handled it in a better way too. Maybe they both could have handled it in a different way. Like I said, I think both of them were stupid. So I really think both of them should be ashamed of themselves for that. And I don't think there's ever anything wrong with saying that. Like, no matter whether they're your same race or your same gender or, you know, any kind of whatever it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, yeah, that's just two people that were not behaving well. That was two people that were not acting like adults. That's what I would say about that situation. And so that's what I said. And then this woman, Africa, tries to engage me. And I'm like, I purposely chose not to comment on your sub thread because I don't really care about your thinking. So, you know, let's just leave each other alone. And then she kept trying to turn it into this other thing. And then she hit me or one of her or some other person chimed in on her side and was like, um, you know, that like... If you're a minority and you um, at any point consider calling somebody white or no, calling somebody white a slur or use the ra the term race card in a non-ironic way, then you lose your minority status or your opinion as a minority no longer matters. And it's like that makes no sense at all. Like to say that because I think that sometimes people do play the race card yes sometimes people play the race card and if you don't understand that or you've never seen that you are ridiculous you are not even being real about anything if you think people have never played the race card i've seen up close and personal people play the race card i think i played the race card before not proud of that but i definitely think i have been brown my entire life i'm sure i played the race card at some point in my life i have played the race card trust me but this woman is acting like, you know, there's no non-ironic way to say that. And it's just one of those things where it's like, why are you in my business right now? Um, which I forgot where I was going about going with all that anyway. And I tried to explain the Paula V thing to you guys kind of. But, you know, that – oh, that I was, I was talking about the situation with Mystery Dan. So, yeah, I did snap at him. But it was because I really just didn't care about his opinion. You know, I mean, like I just felt like, yeah, I don't need you for that. And like I said, also, he got mad one time because nobody would wait in the room. And I don't respect you as a comic once you get mad at people like for stuff like that, because I have even my own good friends walk out of the room just before I go on stage, sometimes because they have to take a phone call, because sometimes because they want to smoke a cigarette, sometimes because they want to smoke a joint, sometimes because they want to talk to a friend that's outside. 
I don't know the various reasons that make it so people have to walk out of the room, but they walk out of the room during my set or right before my my set, and these are my good friends, and I do not get mad at them because I just assume that everybody has a life outside of just listening to me. So thank God some of you take time to listen to me because I appreciate you listening to my podcast, but I get it when it's like, yeah, I just have to walk outside of the room. So yeah, I did have some stuff stored up towards Dan. And then the other night at Wake and Bake, which this is the last clip that I'll end up playing during this episode, um, I did snap at a guy a little bit, but it wasn't really so much a snap as much as it was just you guys have seen him on Comedy Central. He also hosts a weekly podcast called Unbothered. You guys, please give it up for Ty Rivera. Oh my God. God damn it. The baby mama, she's everywhere. Did you like that dick, though? You never, you did like that dick. I have no, you know what I mean? Like, I'm fat, so. What? I know, huge surprise. Now, what did you, hold on, what did you just say? I said I'm a fat. Oh, shit. I, I was fat. Oh. You fat? No, I wasn't ready for it. Would you? Are you new to LA? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of me. And more bold ones, trust me. <laughs> I'm considered flying under the radar fag in LA. I wasn't expecting that. No, she was just. It, yeah. Damn. Some of us are very comfortable with who we are. No problem, bro. Yeah. I, I'm not disrespecting. I ain't trying to get. I get it. I get it. I'm just very clear with people of where I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, I came out the room doing it. That's my real answer. <laughs> I'm really good at it, and I can tell you I've been doing it 14 years. 14 years? Yeah, so if you don't remember when you started, then you're not being for real in the first place. 1967 All right, well then your set's going to be up when you're on the mic, and then you can do it soon. It's all good. I just don't want to do crowd work with another comic for my entire set. My <laughs> bad. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> If you guys are actual audience, are you guys comics as well? No. Actual audience. Yes. Actual okay. Audience. Well, good to have you. <sighs> Me dealing with a comic because I had to do a 15-minute set, and it wasn't a lot of people in the crowd, and it was comics. And like originally, when I you can tell in the audio, I start to get annoyed when I ask him how long he'd been doing comedy, and he had just heckled all through Dana Moon's set, which if you don't know Dana Moon, funny comic, uh, based here in L.A. Technically, I think from Pittsburgh. I think it's Pittsburgh that she's from, or she has some kind of roots in Pittsburgh. Anyway, probably more about her life than she wanted anybody to know, but uh, Dana Moon is a funny comic. and um, But this guy was heckling through her whole set, but claimed to be a comic. And I'm always kind of leery of that when somebody claims to be a comic, but they're heckling through comic sets, especially if they're not just friends and like tagging or you know being silly because they're friends. Because that's something I do and some of my friends do with me. But it was like a situation where he was really heckling her through her entire set. And she made some fun moments out of it, but I could tell she also, there was even a point where she was like, you know, okay, let me do some jokes now. Because he was just really trying to take over her set. So then when I go up, and the first thing that happens in the um, 
in the audio you'll hear is that he kind of well he tries to gay shame me which told me that he was new to la and that's why i went on that on that line of questioning and um which it had been a long time since anybody tried to make me feel any particular kind of way about being gay because one i go everywhere and i'm just me and people just accept it so that's already that dude falling out of line and not lining up with the way the rest of the world works i mean like you can break the matrix anytime you want to, but the way I live is the way I live, and I'm me all the time. So once I say I'm a fag, you just accept it, and we move on. There's no what about it. There's no trying to shame me out of it. It's just what it is. You're talking to an actual fag. You don't want to listen. You leave the room like I already said for you to do. You want to get out of the room, you get out of the room. I have no problem with it. I'm not going to question it. You do what you gotta do, but I know I gotta do this 15 minute set for not a lot of people and I gotta figure out how I'm gonna structure this shit. And as a comic, I know that professional courtesy says you should not be heckling me in this situation. I should be able to do my material and that's what I'm gonna do. And when I ask you a serious question like how long you've been doing comedy or what your credits are or what clubs you're a regular at, I am not being insulting by any of those things. I am tired of people asking, acting like that's an insult. That is not an insult in the least. That is a person just asking about your resume so they can get an idea of what kind of comic they're dealing with. Like if you're a new comic and you're doing that kind of shit, then I will politely let you know because you're a new comic that that's not something we usually do and I will find a nice way to say it. But if you're going to say you've been doing comedy all your life when I ask you how long you've been doing comedy, you're not being for reals about it. You're not being for reals about it at all because I can tell you that I've been doing comedy for 14 years. I can tell you that about myself. And I don't mind telling you I've been on Comedy Central twice. I've been on Logo Network. I have a few other minor credits. I tour all over the country. I've also been to China, Australia, Greenland, Bahrain, Diego, uh, I've been quite a few places actually. And I don't mind rattling some of those off for you too. You know, I've done military shit, I've done a lot of clubs, I've done B rooms, I do one nighters still, I've done coffee houses, I've been in arenas, which that has been by the grace of other comics, and I have no problem admitting that either, and no shame about saying that that's how I've been in arenas. So, this is kind of, this is all just regular comic talk to me. Like, to me, I'm not breaking you down by asking you those questions. I'm trying to get a sense of what I'm dealing with. Now, if I were breaking you down, I would just tell you you weren't shit to begin with. I would tell you you're not shit, but I'm not doing that. I'm asking you what it is you're doing. Now, you've done. Now, you could easily have done some shit and just say, oh, I do this particular club, this particular club. I guarantee you if you go down that road, we're going to end up like striking a bit of a friendship because at some point you're going to mention something that you've done that I've done, and I'm going to be like, hey, we've both done that. And then right away, that's how friendship starts with comics because... Here's the thing, guys, and uh, this is how I'm going to wrap this episode up. If you're getting in arguments with me, if you're hating me for anything I'm saying, one thing you have to know is that's a sign that you're a new comic. Because comics that have been around for a while, I don't have problems with them. And the reason I don't have problems with them is because we're all in the same struggle. We're all trying to make shit funny. We're all trying to keep working. We're all getting fucked by the same bookers. We're all waiting in the same lines for the same fucking things. And yeah, there's different levels of that struggle and there's different people that are doing really well with it and you know working on a whole nother level. But it's still the same shit on a whole nother level and we're still all comics. And we still 
all remember what it's like to be on open mics or to be doing shitty rooms or to be brand new. I mean, like, these are things that real comics know. And these are the things that will bond you with other real comics. And these are the reasons that you don't have problems with other real comics. Like, real comics, I can be with a real comic that identifies as a feminist and still say jokes about feminism and have that other real comic that are, uh, identifies as a feminist laugh at the jokes just because of the jokes, just the jokes on their own merit, nothing to do with their personal feelings. It's just funny. That's what it is. That's why me and Jessica Michelle Singleton have been able to maintain a friendship because Jessica Michelle Singleton knows that I like what she do, does. I have her back. I will help her out whenever I can. And in all fairness, Jessica Michelle Singleton has tried her best to help me out and helped me out with certain contacts in certain situations herself. So we have a mutually beneficial friendship in that way. But just as far as respecting each other as comics, like, we don't have to see eye to eye on everything. We're both trying to make shit funny. We're both trying to make shit happen. There's a lot of people that I could name like that, where Mike Stanley is a comic that I respect a lot, and I don't even know him that well. He works in Denver, and he's going to be doing a guest set for me when I'm in um, Denver at the Comedy Works on June 16th. Uh, Mike Stanley is going to be doing a guest set there. And technically, as far as politics go, Mike Stanley is completely on the other side from me. He absolutely hates Donald Trump, and he lets that be known on Facebook on the regular. And I let my feelings be known on the regular, too. We don't troll each other. We don't have problems. And on the night of the show that he does, uh, you know, a guest set on my show, you know, I know he wants to, like, get in with that club and whatever else. And I think he's a legit comic and funny and know he's good at what he does and professional. So, yeah, I definitely want to try to help that happen just on a comic level. But as far as his material, I will not be trying to be like, oh, well, please don't say anything bad about Donald Trump or please make sure that your opinions don't collide with mine. What the fuck are you talking about? We're all fucking comics. We shouldn't be worried about that shit when it comes down to it. I mean, like, it's about funny. It's about talent. It's about wanting to raise the level of the entire game. Like, that's what I want to do. I want everything around me to be great or as great as it can be. I know some people are never going to be great, and there's always going to be mediocre and, you know, above mediocre and whatever else, just getting by, you know. There's always going to be that shit, and I respect it. But the thing is, that stuff needs to recognize that that's what it is and stay out of the way of stuff that's actually trying to be bigger and trying to raise the game. I am trying to all the way around raise the game is what I want to do. Yes, I want to get where I'm going, but I also want to make sure the LA, the L.A. comedy scene stays strong and good and knows how things work because we kind of got a big responsibility, other comics in the L.A. area. Like, you know, it is... This is the place that stuff actually happens, so why should we not make sure it runs a, in an efficient manner and also respects the people that have come before them and also be genuine with each other? And, you know, like I said, when it comes to the people that are less than genuine, like Mark Stevens, I was annoyed with him earlier. I'm not full-on mad at him, and it's not like he's completely unforgivable or anything like that. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you didn't turn out to be what I thought you were. I thought, and yes, maybe I'm fucking up because I'm expecting people to be genuine, but I'm still not going to accept that. I'm going to go ahead and say that 
I'm just going to be a little more discriminating in what I allow to be around me and I'm going to remember that I can't take everybody at face value and just assume that people are as genuine as I would like for them to be or as I am towards them. I'll just be a little more guarded in that way. Um, I also could talk about the fact that Tracy Walker gave me a hug tonight, which that got on my nerves. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Unbothered by Ty Rivera, the 4th of July extravaganza. Ping, 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 ping. That's me doing my impression of fireworks. <sighs> Stay unbothered.